I'm Morgan Smith, and I'm on staff at the church. Uh, and what a joy it is uh, to be with you this morning. We're in a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We're taking 16 weeks looking at the Holy Spirit. And in the middle of that, we're taking nine looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And so we've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And today we're looking at faithfulness. Um, so as soon as uh, a preaching team, when we were talking about different weeks and things for sermons, and when I was told I'd be preaching on faithfulness, the first thought that came into my head, if I'm honest, was, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if I used myself as a bad example of faithfulness and just decided not to come on the day I was preaching? <laughs> then we'd really test... Uh, you know, Marvin, Steve, and Donnie's patience that, you know, especially Marvin, we test his patience a lot. But I, I enjoy being here, so I'm here. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find and so the first thing that we see this morning is that faithfulness is hard. Faithfulness is hard. A faithful person who can find. We live in America, um, and, and, and as a result of that, there are certain things that we're just, we're just ingrained in. They're just a part of, of who we are. A fish doesn't realize all the ways that it is affected by water. In the same way, we don't understand all the ways that we're, we're just affected by the culture that we live in. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing. That's just, just what it is. And so as I was thinking about our culture in America and the fruits of the Spirit, I, I was thinking about just, I was thinking about what are the fruits that are most opposite of that which our culture values. Um, and if you think about that, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I, I think, and maybe you disagree, but I think faithfulness is probably one of the ones that's towards the top of that which is most distinct or different from that which our culture values that says, do what you want when you want to do it, You know, I want what I want when I feel it. Uh, a culture that, that says those things. Faithfulness is, is distinct from that. Faithfulness is also distinct from the fruits of the Spirit, uh, from some of the other ones, um, because faithfulness is proven over time. You know, uh, if, if Joe pulls in front of me in traffic... I can display patience in a moment, right? By saying, oh, hello, didn't see you there. Come right on in. But faithfulness isn't proven in a moment. It's proven over time. Faithfulness is displayed, yes, in moments, but moments every day. Faithfulness is displayed over time, over a lifetime. So the, the, the word in Greek that is 
shown to us uh, here in this Galatians 5 text is the word pistis. Uh, and this means faith or faithfulness. Um, both fit within the lexical range of, of this word. And as I was thinking about that, it's interesting because faith in Christ is displayed in a moment, right? We have saving faith in Christ in a moment. But then faithfulness is displayed every day after that. And, and it's interesting because this word kind of covers, covers both of these things. Many of you uh, are married and have exchanged marriage vows. And in the traditional marriage vows, what are you, what are you saying? For better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness, health. Regardless of the, the circumstances, I'll love you. I'll be faithful to you. But when you exchange marriage vows, and, and I'm going to be doing that in, in March, are you showing faithfulness in that day? On, on March 11th, am I going to be showing faithfulness to Rachel that day? No. I'll be declaring that I will be faithful, but I'll show my faithfulness every day after that. Right? That's, that's what faithfulness is. When, when we Say, display trust and faith in Christ, it is shown in a moment, but we show the authenticity of our faith in Christ by walking with Christ every day in faithfulness. Faithfulness is proven over time. But faithfulness is hard, right? It's difficult because it requires steadfast pursuit of God every day. Faithfulness is difficult. And we see this in job changes, career changes, the divorce rate. We see it all over. Faithfulness is hard. And especially in our culture, it's I want what I want when I want it. I want it now. I want instant gratification, right? If, we, if you want to watch a show, you just binge it on Netflix, right? Right away. If, if whatever you want, you can have it in, in two days with Prime, right? Well, I ordered some, I came to work one day, ordered something on Amazon, and basically the package almost beat me home. It was same day delivery. It, it got home before I did. It's like, in our culture, we, we want things now, we, but faithfulness isn't that. Faithfulness comes over time. It doesn't just come right away a faithful person who can find. I've been struck by Solomon uh, recently, uh, and in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 9, it says, it says this, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you, righteous, upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child, don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count our number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said, ask me whatever you want. 
And out of everything Solomon could have asked for, he asked for wisdom. And I wonder if that can be our posture towards God with faithfulness. Lord, whatever comes in my life, may I be faithful to you. Whether you heal me or not, may I be faithful to you. Whether my business succeeds or fails, may I just be faithful to you. Lord, Lord, every day, may I be faithful to you. I, I, I wonder, and I was reflecting on that, what would our lives look like if this was our posture towards God? If this was our prayer every morning, what would our lives look like? If every day we wake up, say, God, today, help me be faithful to you. Help me walk in your ways. Help me love like you did. Help me be faithful to you. Faithfulness is hard. So every day we should make our prayer, God, help me be faithful. Faithfulness is hard, but it's also possible. We're not left without hope. It is possible. So in the history of, of Israel and Judah, um, there were many kings, and in Scripture, the kings are given ratings. So it says, this king was good, or this king was good, but not that good, or they were bad. Um, they were good, good, but not really that good or, or bad. And the criteria for what the author of First and Second Kings used to determine how the kings were is this. Did they worship God alone? Did they rid Israel of Israel's idolatry? And did they remain faithful to the covenant with God? That's how scripture determines if the kings were good, sort of good, or bad. And so one king I want to look at is Jeroboam, Jeroboam was a king of Israel um, in the, the northern kingdom, and this comes in 2 Kings 14, 24, and 25. It says this, He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which had caused Israel to commit. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Amath to the sea of Arabah. In accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gathhefer. So it's interesting because Jeroboam, what does it say? He was a evil king, bad king. But what did it say? He restored the borders of Israel. Jeroboam the second pushed the borders of Israel further than they had been before. So if you look at Jeroboam's reign from outward means, it looks like he was a really successful king, right? But what does it say? He was evil. He was a bad king. He didn't help the people walk in the way of God. But he was really good out, outwardly. People probably viewed like, yeah, we're conquering people, we're, we're pushing our borders, we're taking over. But God says, that, that, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be faithful. 
And so if we look at Jeroboam, outwardly, he looked successful, but, but really he wasn't. Let's contrast Jeroboam II with, with Hezekiah. Hezekiah was king of Judah, um, and this comes in 2 Kings 18, uh, 5 and 6, and then 13 through 16. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. That's a pretty good review, right? Now let's wait and see what it says happened during the reign of Hezekiah. In the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, Shinasherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria, Elashish, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me and I'll pay whatever you demand of me. The king of Assyria exacted from Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasures of the royal palace. At this time, Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped off the gold with which he had covered the doors and doorposts of the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria. So they tried to resist Assyria's reign in that region, and it didn't go well, and they caved. They, 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 they get, like, Assyria comes, and they took the gold, they took silver, they, what did it look like Hezekiah's reign was? It probably looks outwardly like it was pretty bad, right? They didn't succeed outwardly by these outward means. Assyria came, and they took. But what did it say about Hezekiah? It said he was a king in Judah, unlike any other, unmatched by kings before him or after him. He trusted in the Lord. He was faithful to the Lord. And God said, yes. That's what I'm looking for. You see, faithfulness is what God asks for us. Faithfulness is what God asks of. But oftentimes we want other things in place of that. God, give me this. God, give me this. God, I want this. God, help me be this. God, when God says, I just want you to be faithful. I just want you to follow me, to walk with me. Faithfulness is hard, but it's possible. And so if we are to be faithful in, in our lives, then we must be connected to the one who is truly faithful. 2 Timothy 2, 13 says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. God's faithfulness, praise God, is not dependent on our faithfulness. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is faithful, and he is always faithful because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful he cannot not be faithful because faithfulness is who he is. Faithful is who he is. It's a part of his character. 
That's who he is. And I think as we think about the fruits of the Spirit in this series, it's important to remember that God does not just display or show love. He is love. It's who he is. God doesn't just show peace or patience or kindness or faithfulness. He is those things. That is his character. That is who he is. And so we must move. The example I used earlier of of, of Joe cutting me off in traffic, right? But instead of just displaying patience, we need to move towards being people who are patient. Instead of just displaying faithfulness in our life, we need to be people who exhibit faithfulness because faithfulness is a part of who we are because we are connected to the one and walking with the one who is fully and completely and totally faithful. Galatians 5.25 says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one who applies this life more and more to us to exhibit the character of Jesus in our life. So so how do we sustain this faithfulness? Is it God that gifts it to us or do we work to walk in it? It's God who enables us to attain it and we work to walk in step with the Spirit, to more and more be people who are the fruits of the Spirit, where it's a part of our character like it is Christ. We walk in step with the Spirit who enables us to be faithful people. Faithfulness is is possible, but we have got to cling to Christ. It's not only possible, but But I would say in this hour where we live, I'd say faithfulness is needed. Faithfulness is needed. I used Solomon as a good example earlier. Um, I'll use him as a bad example now. As Solomon grew older, um, his wives, whom he married contrary to the commands of God, he disobeyed God, married foreign wives, and, and they led him astray from following God. Solomon started out well, but he didn't finish well. He didn't have faithfulness. Faithfulness to God is needed. It's important to begin well, but it's, it's really important to be faithful to God and end well. So there's this interesting interaction between David and Solomon as David's dying. Um, and 2 Kings uh, one through five, but, it, but and I'll just summarize it. So David um, gave this charge to Solomon, and he says, I'm about to die. Be strong. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways. Keep his decrees and commands as written in the law of Moses so that you may prosper. So he says to him, follow God. I'm, I'm gonna die. Follow God. Walk in his ways follow the law of Moses. And then you know what he says right after that? David says to Solomon, but you know Joab. Joab did me wrong, so kill him. And then he says, and you remember Barzillai, and he was good to me, 
So be good to him. And you remember Shemai. He did me bad. So kill him. And it's this interesting interaction where there's a distinction between what they say and what they do, right? Because David said, follow the law of God, follow the law of Moses, which is, you know, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, which the Ten Commandments are kind of a, a primary part of that, which says don't murder. Oh, yeah, but he did me wrong, so, so kill him. There's a distinction between what they say and what they do. Faithfulness is needed. And one of the reasons that it's needed is because, you know what the world needs to see? is people who love Christ and who live it out in their lives. People who say one thing and live the same thing. There's been a lot of research from different research groups, Barna and other people, and, and some of the, what they have discovered is that the biggest reason why people aren't interested in church and typically younger people is because the church is full of what? Hypocrites. And I think it, when we hear that, it's easy to say, yep, and the moment you walk in the door, we're gonna have one more, <laughs> right? Like, it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, right. We all are not perfect in Christ, right? There is we're never fully sanctified. We're never completely like Christ. But let's not also give ourselves a pass from that. Because we are called to be sanctified. Sanctification is looking more like Christ, becoming more like Christ. And so in our lives, as we grow with Christ, we should more and more become people who live and say the same thing, where our lives look like what we profess. The world needs people who live out the gospel, people who show them that Christ does transform. But I think a lot of times what people can see is Christians say, I love Christ and, and I love people, as long as those people agree exactly with me on social issues, political issues, and theological issues. If you agree with me completely, then I'll love you. But we don't see that in our lives. We, we see that we're called to something more. Greeley needs Christians who are faithful to Christ and who live that out every day. There is nothing more beautiful as a Christian witness than someone who is faithful to Christ and living that out every day. Acts 1.8 says this, this is what Jesus says as he's about to ascend to heaven, but, and he says this to the apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we're like, oh, we like power, so that works, right? But what does he say? It's power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I wanna close with this. As we think about em engaging with a culture that, as I said, does embrace values that are different than what we might say, how do we engage with that? How do we interact with that? And I think this 
there's three ways that I want us to think about. One way is that we move towards culture with one arm, right? Like throwing a punch. Like, and, and sure, not literally, but, but we're, we're hostile to culture. We're against culture. We have to stand for Christ. So that's, that's one way that we can wrongly engage with culture. The second way is to interact with culture with no hands, where we seek to disengage from it to get as far away from it as possible. And that's not what we're called to either. We're actually called to move towards culture with, with two arms, with, with, with that of an embrace, of that with a love, so that Greeley can see the love of Christ. We move towards people with love, so that they can see the beauty and the graciousness of God. That stands out as a witness. That is beautiful. Jesus said the whole law is summed up in love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's hard because we love ourselves a lot. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Start there. Start there. Love God and love people. Move towards them with the love of Christ. And that will be a glorious witness in the world. And that is what Greeley needs to see. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the faithful one. Lord, you are the one that we look to. You are the one that we strive to be like. Lord, move in our midst. Help us to be more like you. Help us to be people who love like you loved and strive to profess and live the exact same way. Lord, may we be faithful May that be our prayer right now, today, tomorrow. May we be faithful to you because you are faithful to us. Pray this in your name, amen.